You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning, Harvest. Wow, we are so glad that you're here. Our Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday, as we are celebrating his beautiful name, that name of Jesus. This is one of our most favorite services at Harvest. It's the day that Jesus was victorious over death, sin, and the grave, and he came out of that burial spot. He came out of that tomb triumphantly on that first Easter Resurrection Sunday. And that's what we're celebrating today. Hey, if you're watching with a friend today on a watch party, I just want to especially just thank you so much for joining us here. I hope you've been enjoying the service. And it's our prayer that you'll enjoy our entire service as you've come with us to be a part of our Easter Sunday Amazing Grace Easter Weekend. Well, today I want to talk to you about when dead things live, when dead things live. I know, that's kind of obscure, but when we think about resurrection life, I want you to be thinking of the question, can dead things live, and what happens when they do live? It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you as we celebrate this Easter Sunday, Lord, that you want to speak to hearts right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will convince people, Lord, today that dead things can live. And when they do, when dead things live, we have his resurrection spirit within us. Lord, just speak to every heart now, I ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You're texting amen this morning. Thank you for joining us online for this service here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. Well, you know, when we make the decision to accept Easter's gift, and Easter's gift is that Jesus died on the cross in our place. God put his anger, God put his wrath for sin on his own son, Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus was made sin. He took our sin on the cross, and he was buried with that sin and then was raised again so that we could have newness of life. We could have resurrection life. So when we make the decision to receive Easter's gift, we receive that forgiveness of sin, and it opens the way for us to have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that this relationship is so close, it's not Jesus beside you, Jesus in front of you or behind you, it literally describes our relationship with Jesus as he's inside of us. The relationship is to be so intimate and so close that he's living inside of us. Resurrection power is living inside of us. If you've received Easter's gift, we've just read this scripture, then it's living inside of us. And I want to talk to you this morning about when dead things live. You know, we could write Romans 8, 11 this way. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll do it for you. <laughs> Just as he did it for Jesus, he can do it 
for you. Let's just rewind for a minute on this Easter event that on Good Friday, we read in Luke that when Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. In some translations, it says, Father, I entrust my life into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus was facing imminent death. The Son of God facing death. And I want you to think about that. Because we know that Jesus was God, Emmanuel, God with us. But we also know that Jesus came and humbled himself as a man. And so it's a mystery. The scriptures call it a mystery. But Jesus was entirely God and he was entirely man. And he walked in close, close relationship with his Father to demonstrate to us how we can walk on this earth as humans with the power of God. But Jesus facing imminent death, not a pretend death, not a death where he would lay on the tomb for three days, peeking, waiting for the angel to move the stone so he could pop out and say, ha ha, I did it, here I am, Easter's over now, good Friday, Easter Sunday morning, here I am. No, this was a real death. Jesus experienced death as a man. He's about to face death, and he makes this declaration. Father, no matter what happens next, you've got this. Father, no matter what takes place next, I place my life, I place tomorrow into your hands. I entrust you. Jesus was facing a real death. He would, as a man, go into the bowels of the earth, the Bible called it, for three days, waiting for his father to raise him out of the grave. Jesus didn't raise himself out of the grave. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. He'll do it for you. This morning, as people are watching us online in this service, I know that there are people that are facing death. And I don't mean physical death, although there may be some. You've received a diagnosis. Your life may be shortened because of an illness or a sickness. But I want to talk to you today about the kind of death that many of us face on a day-to-day, week-to-week, or a month-to-month basis. It could be the death of a dream today. It could be that you're facing the death of a marriage or the death of your family. It could be that you are facing the death of a career or finances. Maybe today you just feel like that you're in a dead-end life. You're in a dead-end existence, and you're facing death. The Old Testament, there was a man named Ezekiel, and he records a story for us, and we actually sang the song this morning, Rattle. And it's a story where God takes Ezekiel, and he takes him to a high place, and he shows him a valley. I'm talking to you this morning when dead things live. In this valley that Ezekiel sees, it's covered with bones. And it would really be, the idea is like there's been a battle there, a huge battlefield. And time has gone on, a lot of time. So that all of the dead soldiers that died in the valley, their clothes have already decayed. Um, Everything is gone except their bones, their skeletons. And Ezekiel is looking at this array of skeletons, this array of bones across this valley floor. As far as the eye could see, dead stuff. As far as the eye could see, these bones that are left. God actually has Ezekiel walk all around the bones. Check them out. 
kick them a little bit, see what they're all about. And God has Ezekiel survey, and he, he says, you know, these, it's dead, right? Like dead, dead, really dead. And Ezekiel comments, these are dry bones, dry bones. These are, these are bones that are beyond any kind of life. This is dead stuff. I'm asking you this morning to think about when dead stuff lives. Well, God asks Ezekiel the question. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 3. He says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, I think, has this kind of peculiar look on his face. And I think he kind of looks over at God. And he answers him according to the scriptures. He says, sovereign Lord, you alone know. In other words, Ezekiel is saying, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. You alone know. I don't know. What about the dead stuff in your life that you're surveying today? What about the things that you're kind of kicking around in your life? As you survey your life today and, and you're looking at that marriage that doesn't seem to have life left in it, or you're looking at that family situation, you're looking at those finances, your health, whatever it might be today that you're considering, can it live? And I want to ask you the question because I believe God is asking you the question today, can your dead stuff live? And honestly, you're probably feeling, I, I don't know. Will my marriage live? I, 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 I don't know. Will my finances live? I, I don't know. What does life look like post-pandemic for my business or for, for wherever I'm at? I don't know. I really, I don't know. And I love it that God tells Ezekiel and that he tells you and I this morning that he completely understands from our perspective, from where we're at, as we're surveying what's dead. Dead, dead. Like, I mean, really dead. Dried out, dead. And God says this, listen to what the people are saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left of us. I want to tell you this morning that God knows the cry of your heart. God has seen you even when you didn't know that God could see you. This morning, you might not even believe God exists. You might be watching us today saying, I don't know if I believe all this God stuff. Whether you believe or you don't believe, today I want to tell you there's a God in heaven that hears your heart's ache, that hears your heart's cry that has a, a, an ability to capture what your heart is saying in these days that are dark, they're gloomy, they're difficult, and as you're surveying your life, and you might even be saying, hey, thanks a lot for making me even think about it today. I want you to think about it because God is saying, I've heard what the people are saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left of us. God desperately today wants you to know that not only does he hear your heart's cry, not only does he hear the pain of your heart facing the dead end or the death of your life as you're surveying it, but God said to Ezekiel, here's what I want you to tell them. God said to me this morning, here's what I want you to tell the people. Here's what I want you to declare, that dead stuff lives. And so Ezekiel starts to talk to the dead stuff. He starts talking to the bones in this story. And I want to encourage you today that as we're singing this morning in this service and talking about rattle and bones rattling and life coming, uh, that, that God wants you to know that he wants dead stuff to live. 
So Ezekiel says in verse 7, so I spoke this message just as he told me. And I spoke this message, I believe, just as God told me to speak it to you today. Suddenly as I spoke, so he's saying it, but he doesn't really believe it. I mean, come on, bones laying all over the place, dead stuff so dead, it's not going to change. There's not going to be any change for me. Why would this change? Why would this change for me? Why would God do something for me? Why would God do that? But he decides, you know what, if you're saying it's true, uh, hey, I'll listen. I'll step, take another step. And Ezekiel starts to speak to the bones, and he starts to say, hey, you're going to live. Something's going to change. This isn't going to stay the same. God said he could hear us. God said something's going to change. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each other began to assemble. They began to clack together. There was a rattling. God says you can live. God says it can change. God says you're coming out of your grave this morning. God says it's going to change for you. I've heard your heart. I heard your pain. I'm not oblivious to it. Today we're serving the God that wants the bones to rattle, that wants life to come in to your dead situation. Come on, somebody. I want to encourage you today. God says live. I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. On that first Easter weekend, Jesus faced death for real for you and for me. Three days in the tomb, dead, dead, dry bones dead, sealed in the tomb with a great stone that could not be removed. Jesus not only faced death, he overcame death so that you and I could experience resurrection life if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. You would know resurrection life. You would know a relationship, not beside, not in front, inside. Jesus beat death by placing his life into his Father's hands that day. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to consider whether or not you've ever made the decision to put your life, your future, even if it appears dead, even if it appears like it's going nowhere, I, I just want you, you might say, I don't know if I believe this. It's okay. I want you to know there's a God that's heard your pain. He wants to respond to it today. Just begin to speak to your situation by saying, apparently God wants this to change. How does it happen? By making the decision to put your life into his hands. Dead stuff and dead places make you feel so alone, so forsaken. I know that many people watching today feel that way. I felt that way on occasions when I just feel like, man, I'm unloved. This is a dark place. I've described it this way just during these days of the pandemic and now a third wave and a new pandemic apparently, Premier Ford told us. I'm like, I'm trying to get used to the old one. There's a new one? There's days it's hard to breathe. I don't know if you feel that way, but there's just days I wake up and go, it's hard to breathe today. Because we're facing situations, we're facing issues. It can be, it can make you feel abandoned. It can make you feel alone. It can, and abandonment can be such a terrible experience. My wife, Christine, and I have five grown boys. And uh, 
having boys as a as a father was so awesome. I have daughter-in-laws now, so I know what girls are about, and I have granddaughters, and I can kind of know a little bit what that's about too. But growing up with boys was incredible because I'm an outdoors person, and I just really enjoyed sharing that with my boys. And I remember being uh, in the woods with my oldest. His name is Nathaniel. And uh, I mean, I would take the boys out as soon as they could walk, like toddlers in the woods. As soon as they could walk any distance, they, they came with me. One afternoon, I was on a deer hunt, and I, had, I was alone uh, with my oldest son. And as I said, his name was Nathaniel. He's about five or six at the time. We'd already walked about 30 minutes into a bush lot, and we had found a place to sit down, a ground blind that kind of concealed us. And we sat really quietly on a log uh, waiting for a deer to come by. Uh, no animals were injured in the making of this film, I assure you. I'm not a successful hunter, but I love being outside in the woods. And so here we are, seated on this ground blind. We hadn't seen anything uh, for some time, and daylight was waning. And uh, that's actually a really opportune time. Just right at dusk, uh, a lot of times the deer will begin to move. And I realized I'd picked a dud place. And the place I really wanted to be was about another 30-minute walk uh, farther into the woods. And there was a beaver, a beaver dam across a river, and the deer would use that area to cross. And I thought I, w- I, could, I could ambush a deer and be a successful hunter and harvest a deer. I just need to get back there. But I knew my 6-year-old son couldn't walk fast enough to get there <laughs> or quiet enough <laughs> to get back there. So I concocted this plan. And so I leaned over to my little six or, six or seven-year-old, uh, or five or six years old, uh, in that ballpark. And I leaned over, and I whispered in his ear. And I said, Nathaniel, Dad wants to go down to the beaver dam, and I want to see if there's any deer there. Dad, I want to go with you. Son, yeah, I know, but, but Dad's not going to do it that way. What I want you to do is just sit here real quiet, and I'll be right back. You'll be right back, Dad? I'll be right back. I just need you to sit here really quietly, okay? Okay, Dad, but I want to go with you, Dad. I know, I know you do. I know you want to go with me, but I need you to sit here, and I need you to be real quiet. In fact, whatever you do, don't yell out my name because you'll scare all the deer away, okay? Okay, Dad. And I got up. And away I went quickly. I found my spot, and uh, I had about 10 more minutes of daylight hunting time, legal time, and I didn't see anything. And by the time I made it back to where my little son was sitting, it was pitch black. In fact, I found him by, by flashlight, pitch black. And uh, we made our way. He was really quiet. Just kind of picked him up along the way. We walked back the 30 minutes to the car, got in the car, went home. We had dinner. And uh, we never discussed that hunt. I didn't think there was anything to discuss until he became a teenager. And there was a day he asked to talk to me. And he unpacked the story from his perspective. And he began to tell me what it was like to sit as a little kid a little boy sitting in the woods that day as the woods became darker and darker, scarier and scarier. He said, Dad, I desperately wanted to yell out your name just to see where you were. He said, I was so scared, but you told me don't yell. So I didn't, Dad. I didn't yell. Dad, I didn't yell, but I wanted to. And as this teenager began to unpack his pain of that moment, well, first... I realized 
Major dad fail. Major dad fail. And yet, so happy that my son would unpack his pain and tell me about the story. If it wasn't bad enough to hear about how it was so scary for him, he began to tell me that as it got darker and darker, in fact, as it got dark, he was sure I was never coming back. He began to, as a little boy, as a little boy's mind would, begin to just think about what it would be like not to have a dad, to be stuck here in the woods. In fact, he said, Dad, it was as if if you're not coming back, then I'm not getting out of the woods. Dad, if you didn't come back, I would be alone there. I didn't think you were coming back. The abandonment in the woods, and I remember just kind of putting my arms around him that day and apologizing for that major dad fail and just thanking him for bringing his pain in the open so that I, I, I could hear it. I could understand it. I could ask him to forgive me. Jesus was three days in a tomb. He was trusting his father to get him out of that place. In fact, as Psalmist David wrote in Psalm 16, prophesying years before it took place, what it would have been like for Jesus waiting for his father. I kept my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. David was prophesying for Jesus. I believe Jesus was holding on to this scripture. Those three days that he was in the afterlife, those three days his body was in the tomb, those three days he was waiting to be resurrected, and he was holding on to the promise, my father will not abandon me. My father will not leave me here. In fact, today as you are watching this and the abandonment of your own life, you're feeling like nobody cares. Nobody can hear me. Nobody cares about what my heart is feeling right now. Now, I want you to know that more than this father understood, your father in heaven understands the abandonment and the loneliness of your heart. And he's saying, I want to come into that place with you. I want to resurrect you today. I'm asking, can dead things live? When dead things live this morning. He will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You make known to me how to get out of here. You make known to me how I'll know life and not death. You will fill me with your joy. You will fill me with your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Come on, I want to fast forward that first Good Friday to what we're celebrating today, that first Resurrection Sunday morning. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and so they went in. They didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. We know these are angels. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, and the men asked, this is an important question, that the angels asked the women, they're asking you, they're asking me today, come on, 
Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. When dead stuff lives, Jesus faced death and the tomb, and he uh, experienced resurrection so that he could put his resurrection life into you and into me. Come on, just as uh, God raised Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit. We heard Laura's story early on. We heard Henry and Judy's story. Literally, when dead things live, dead marriages coming to life, their dead son, he was all but dead because of a a seizure and a sickness. The doctor said he's not going to make it to Chio, and yet they received their son alive and well. Uh, He, As you heard the story, when they hit the railroad tracks in Monkland, something took place when dead things live. We heard these stories this morning, real stories. The angel asked the question to the ladies who went to the tomb. The angels are asking you the question. I'm asking you the question today. Why would you look for life in dead places? Let's not survey the dead things in our life today. Let's not be conscious today of of what is dead in our life. When dead things live. What if God could hear your pain today? What if Father in heaven has a way for his life to come into your life today? He does. He does. I want you just to consider today that the best and the greatest thing you could do is it says just like God did it for Jesus, he'll do it for you. And you would say, how does it happen? by you making the decision right now to place your life as broken as it might be, as difficult as it might be, as complicated as it might be. You don't have to figure out your life. God will do that for you. He's heard your heart today. Just as Jesus said, into your hands, I commit the rest of my life. Whatever happens next, God, I'm giving it to you. If you would do that today, then you, like hundreds of other people at Harbors, could make that decision that will change your life instantaneously, bringing Jesus' life into your life. Watch this final clip. My favorite thing about following Jesus, and I don't even know if I like that word, following Jesus, but I say like having a super awesome relationship with Jesus, like that's what I'm all about. One of my favorite things is that life is just easier now. Like it's not as hard. You have someone to turn to for absolutely everything. Like Jesus isn't just for like the fun, happy times. It's, it's for like every single struggle. I bring Jesus into my everyday life. And that is what makes life easier. After the Bob and Audrey weekend, I was like, we need more of this. We went on Sunday and then whenever they did like the, if anybody like wants to know Jesus or know God or whatever, I was like, yep. <laughs> like we need a whole lot of that like up in here. And we both raised our hands that day. On that Sunday morning that Laura and her husband were here after realizing that their marriage was dead. And they, they just knew somehow when When dead things live, when dead things live, they can come alive again with the power of Jesus in us, with a relationship with God. 
And they made a decision like hundreds of people have at harvest at the end of a service. And I'm asking right now as you're watching. Well, Laura was in a live service and she was able to put her hand up and her husband put a hand up. And we do that each and every week here at Harvest. But today as you're watching online, I I would like you to make the decision. The decision today. I'm going to put my life into his hands. I'm going to receive forgiveness. I'm going to receive eternal life. I'm going to receive his spirit in me. My wife's coming to join me on the platform right now, Christina, as we get ready to close this service. But before we do, the most important decision that people could make, the decision that Laura made in, in the, on the video, and, and you're not going to put your hand up today, but I'd like you just simply to pray a prayer with me. You'd say, Pastor, include me in this prayer. Include me in a prayer to receive Jesus' life in mine. I, I just would ask you right now, just like Laura did, just like others have done, you're not raising your hand, but you're saying, I'm making a decision to put my life into the hands of God. Let's just bow our hearts and let's just pray right now that prayer. Pray it with me. Honey, would you just, as if we were here, pray it after me and as people will do that all over the Internet as they're watching right now. Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me. That you've heard my heart's cry. That you have heard my heart's cry. You didn't abandon me. You didn't abandon me. I'm not left alone today. I'm not left alone today. But you're in my life. you're in my life. Come now and forgive my sin. Come now and forgive my sins. Thank you. Thank you. That I can live my life. That I can live my life. With you. With you. So close. So close. That you're inside me. That you're inside me. I receive your life now. I have received your life now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe that you're born again. That God's spirit is living in you. The Bible says that the angels are rejoicing. They're having a party right now. Party. We need you to take a next step. We just really want to rejoice with you and just party with the angels over the reality that you've made a decision to put your life in God's hands. We'd like you to go right now. There's a text number on the screen that you can text, or if you're able to put it into the chat, would you just put in there right now or text it, that number that's coming up on your screen, I made the decision. I'm putting my life in God's hands. You can just do that by saying, I made a decision. Oh, man, we're, we're just we're so thankful that you've done that. And we can't wait to meet you and can't wait to rejoice with you that you've made this wonderful decision. Well, honey, on this uh, Easter Sunday, I wonder, you know, there's so many people that have needs today. And they're just, they're just, you know, hearing that God is hearing the pain of their heart. As we close today, would you just pray that people would be ministered to, that they would know they haven't been abandoned, that God loves them and he's for them and not against them. Father, we're coming to you this morning, God. And Lord, we're just praying for so many. God, to some, this news of another lockdown is devastating, God. And I'm praying right now, God, that they will find comfort in you, God. When everything looks so scary and so bleak and so unpredictable, God, but you are predictable. 
Father, we can come to you and we can just say, God, will you be close to me right now? Father, will you put your arms around me right now and just let me feel your love, God. Father, I'm praying for any that are in the yes, hospital Lord. this morning, yes. any that are just facing marital issues, God, financial issues, yes. God. With this pandemic, Father, many are out of work, and God, I just pray you will fill come that on. void. Yes, Lord. Where the financial need yes, is, God, Lord. you can fill Bring that dead void, things Father. To life, oh God. Father, you will just protect God, protect minds in this time. Yes, Lord. Protect feelings, protect emotions, God. Just keep people steady, God. Father, I just know that you can see so many hurting and painful situations, God, that we don't even yes. know about yes. today, God, but yes. you Let know them about know them. You hear it, Lord. Father, I just pray that you will Come meet close them, to them where right they now. are, yes, God. Lord. Meet them where they need Come you, God. On. Meet them in that Closer space, Father, this morning, and yes, let them Lord. know. You are there. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for this word this morning. God, we thank you for there at Easter, Father. And although we can't be together, God, we are together because we are the bigger body of Christ. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you for everything. Father, I just pray for families as they celebrate today. And many can't be together. And, Father, I just pray that you will put that comfort yeah, in those bless those, those Zoom calls. Father, <laughs> where they can't be together as a family, God, but they can be together with you, God. Yes, Lord. Jesus, we thank you, Father. And thank we just you, bless all those watching this morning in your name. Amen. So can dead things live? Absolutely. Yeah, and when dead things live, I want you to know the Bible says we were dead in sin. That's but when right. we receive Jesus, we are alive. Yeah. Go now as, as uh, we sign off. God bless you, Harvest, but go bless. in resurrection life. Yes. God bless you. We love you we so love very you. much. God bless.